0: Hello, and welcome to the Virtue Podcast. In case I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, let me quickly introduce myself. My name is Melanie Brown, and I've been married to my high school sweetheart, Bob Brown, for 27 years. We have two adult children who moved out last year, so we're officially empty nesters. Jeremiah is 25, and Savannah is 23, and has been married to Tanner for a little over a year. I love Jesus, and I love His Word, and I've submitted my life to the authority of Scripture. And I'm also passionate about exercise. I spend a lot of time at the gym strength training and muscle building. I want this workshop to be both biblical and practical. The title of my message is Physically Fit and Spiritually Strong, Health for Your Mind, Body, and Soul. And I'm hoping that our time together motivates, inspires, and challenges you. Jesus said that we are to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. In other words, we are to love Him with every part of our being in wholeness. I realize that I have a lot of parts to me. See if you can relate. When I talk to my husband, oftentimes my conversation sounds like this. Bob, part of me feels like this, but the other part thinks this way. And then there's another part, and he just laughs and he says, Melanie, how many parts do you have? But women are complex, aren't we? The Bible says that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. I've actually learned over the years not to ask my friends like that blanket question, how are you? That's way too broad of a question. Rather, I ask. How are you doing physically? How are you feeling emotionally? What's going on spiritually? Because oftentimes we can be strong in one area and weak in others. I believe the Lord wants us to have balance and be healthy in all areas of life. If you're taking notes, I've got three points. We're first going to look at what it means to have a healthy mind. A healthy mind. God has a lot to say about our mental health. Our mindset is so important. How you think and what you think about will have a direct effect on every area of your life. We live in a world with a lot of confusion, anxiety, stress, and fear, but God wants us to experience His peace. In Isaiah 26.3, we're told that God will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is focused on Him because they trust in Him. Sometimes we focus or we fixate on the problem, giving so much time, attention, and emotion to a difficult situation, and then we just kind of give like a cursory glance at God. But we need to flip that. We have to fix our gaze on the Lord, trusting Him, His goodness, and His character. When we see God high and lifted up in His rightful place of authority and sovereignty— then our problems will be put in their proper perspective. We've really been tested mentally these days, haven't we? We live in the age of instant information with a 24-hour news cycle, which is mostly negative, and we can easily get discouraged. I heard someone say once that it's okay to check the news, but don't watch the news because it'll cause you to spiral. And you know, as helpful as our phones can be, I mean, I really depend on my maps, the GPS... I'd get lost without it. And I'm also addicted to the weather app. I have to check it every morning, and it's not just my local weather. I mean, I look at lots of different cities just because I'm nosy like that. But you know what? They can be hindrances, and they can be detrimental to our mental health. Studies have linked the use of social media to depression, anxiety, and lower self-esteem, especially in teens. But regardless of your age... I think we've all experienced FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. And jealousy that can get stirred up when we're constantly comparing ourselves to others. Perhaps limiting your social media will help improve your mental state. But I also have another strategy for those who are up for the challenge. Ask God to sanctify you through social media. This is what I mean. You know, when I'm scrolling and I start to feel... Unsettled, and this like dark cloud comes over me, I stop and I ask the Lord to search my heart and to show me where these feelings are coming from. And he is so faithful because he will show me and expose discontentment, envy, bitterness, pride. And then I have a choice. I have a choice to repent. And then I thank him for my blessings and what he's doing in my life. You know, God knows the age in which we're living with all the trappings of technology, and He wants you to experience peace of mind. Philippians 4.6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. The Lord does something remarkable as we pray. Even though our circumstances might not change instantly, what does change instantly is that we gain His presence, His perspective, and His peace as we pray. Perhaps you need to do a heavenly exchange with him right now. Give him the things that are troubling you and receive his comfort and assurance. What overwhelms us does not overwhelm God. 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sound mind is translated as disciplined and self-controlled This means that God has given us the ability, the discipline to direct our thoughts. We choose what we dwell on. I'm so thankful that God tells me what thoughts I should be thinking because my thoughts are not His thoughts. If I'm honest, my thoughts are often neurotic, unrealistic, and negative. Philippians 4.8 says that we are to think about things that are true. And you know, there's a whole list, but right there, I have to stop because of the conviction. So often, I make up stories or scenarios in my mind that aren't even necessarily real. But the Lord's telling us to think about things that are true, that we know to be true, noble, just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of a good report. If there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. To meditate is to think deeply about something. Eastern meditation attempts to empty the mind, whereas biblical meditation is meant to fill the mind with God's word and what it reveals about him. Some of us might need a good old brainwashing. I mean, literally, our minds need to be cleansed from the thoughts and ideas we've allowed ourselves to receive and believe. We're told in Romans twelve two, not to be conformed to this world— but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that you may know what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. The message paraphrase says it like this. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. When the Bible talks about the world, it's not primarily talking about planet Earth, but rather a world system. Those who have rejected the God of the Bible and the authority of scripture, they adhere to their own way of thinking, which is shaped by culture and popular opinion, and it's constantly changing. We can be bombarded by the ideology of the world, and it soon starts to infiltrate our thinking. That's why we have to train our minds to think biblically. I'm going to say that again for emphasis because it's so important. We have to train our minds to think Biblically, the Holy Spirit changes our thinking through the study of Scripture. The renewed mind that Jesus wants us to have is controlled by the Word of God. The Word of God doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when our thoughts, emotions, preferences, or lifestyles don't line up with the Word of God, it's not the Bible that needs to change. It's us. Once we know what God's Word says— and understand his thoughts and his heart. We can distinguish the sounds and voices that come from other sources. We learn to discern the lies of the enemy and then we replace it with God's truth. We're either going to be shaped by the world or shaped by the word. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, hold every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Hold every thought captive. That means that we have to take our thoughts captive. Think of it like this. Take your thoughts as like a prisoner and handcuff them and bring them before the Lord, those thoughts, and say, Jesus, is this something you want me to be thinking about? And if it doesn't line up with scripture or God's character, we release it and we don't allow it to occupy our minds any longer. To be mentally strong, we have to discipline our thoughts. So point number one was a healthy mind. Point number two is a healthy body. Do you realize that your body is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit? The moment we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our hearts. That's reason enough to keep your body in the best condition possible. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says, Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore— Honor God with your bodies. So, how? How do we honor God with our bodies? Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but I do have three suggestions of ways we honor God with our bodies. And the first one is we honor God by nourishing our bodies. We have to eat good, healthy, God made food, as opposed to bad, unhealthy, processed foods. Think of food as fuel for your body. What you feed it will affect how it functions. And I'm not here to convince you about what you should or shouldn't be eating or to promote a particular program because honestly, there's probably benefits to whether it's paleo, keto, vegan, high protein, or intermittent fasting. But what I am saying is pay attention to your diet and pray about it. You've heard the saying, you are what you eat. If you're eating unhealthy, you're going to feel unhealthy. You know, a, a while back ago, I was trying to cut sugar out of my diet and I asked my friend Amber, who's an elite athlete, what do you do when you want dessert? And I remember her telling me, well, I eat berries or, or some fruit. And I remember just rolling my eyes like, that is not gonna cut it. But you know what? It's true that if you take refined sugar out of your diet, natural sugar found in fruit becomes sweet again. The second way we honor God is by exercising our bodies. Exercise is a privilege. It's not a punishment. I'm gonna say that again. Exercise is a privilege. It's not a punishment. I want to encourage you to move, whether it's stretching, walking, running, dancing, hiking, lifting weights, Pilates, or playing pickleball, you name it. Be active. Anything you do consistently will yield results. So get started. And if you've already started, keep going. Don't stop. Set a goal and then make a plan. I've heard it said that a goal without a plan is just a wish. And make an attainable goal. Set yourself up for success. If you never exercise, don't pressure yourself thinking you need to be at the gym five days a week. Start with one day. The problem is that we get discouraged and impatient when we don't see change fast enough. Everybody wants instant results, but that's not realistic. And I'm going to tell you something you're probably not going to like, but it's true. It probably will take you a little longer than you think, but that's okay. I want you to think long-term, big picture. And this is so countercultural because we want everything in three quick and easy steps. Lose 10 pounds in 10 days. But don't look for shortcuts. Don't be an all-or-nothing person. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. Commit to starting. Make it a priority, put it on your schedule, and mark it non-negotiable. I hope you get motivated by this workshop. Think of motivation as your initial burst of inspiration, but it's actually discipline that keeps you moving towards your goal long after the feelings have faded. I've heard it said that motivation starts the project, but discipline finishes it. Motivation fades after time but discipline grows after time. Motivation sets the goal, but discipline works to accomplish the goal. And you know what's going to happen? Before you know it, you would have created a habit. And a habit is just something that becomes part of your regular routine and you won't even have to think about it. Thirdly, we honor God by appreciating our bodies and not comparing ourselves to others. Appreciate your body but don't make it an idol. We know from Scripture that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at our hearts. We want to look good and feel good so we can be about our Father's business. We want to have energy and stamina for whatever assignment God calls us to accomplish. You know, as a Christian woman, I think of myself as Christ's ambassador wherever I go, and that includes the gym. A girl once told me, I'm drawn to you. I like your energy. You're always so positive. And I realized that she didn't have the vocabulary to identify what made me different. I mean, she used words like energy and positivity, but I used it as an opportunity to speak Jesus to her. And I told her, well, thank you. Thank you for those gracious compliments. But you know, I'm a Christian. And perhaps you see the love and joy of Jesus in me. See, I want to glorify God with my body. And if there's anything admirable in me, I wanted to point to Jesus. We honor God by not comparing our bodies to others. It's great to set goals, work hard, and admire others. But comparison can have two detrimental effects. First, it can fill you with pride because you think you're better than someone else. I mean, how easy it is to look at someone else and say, well, at least I look better than her. Or two, it can make you discouraged because you feel like you can never measure up. We live in a very visual culture, and it's easy to get caught up in the competition trap. I was running on the treadmill a few weeks ago, and just let me disclose that I'm not a runner. I'm a wannabe runner. But I made a goal that I was going to run one mile. And you know, I felt so good about how I was doing. Uh, My pace was steady. My breathing was under control. And then this girl started running right beside me on the next treadmill, and she was a gazelle. She was running so fast and effortlessly that all of a sudden, I got discouraged and wanted to just give up. But I didn't. I finished my mile. And when I was leaving, I thought, you know, I probably should encourage this girl and just tell her what a stud she is. And I asked her, how old are you? And she said, 19. So here I am comparing myself with a teenage track star. Isn't that so silly? But we do that sometimes. We need to thank God for our bodies. Thank Him for your mobility, even if it's limited. Thank Him for your health, even if it's compromised. Most of us are quick to criticize ourselves, never really satisfied with how we look. But let's change that. Recognize that you are inherently valuable. Your worth is not tethered to the scale or a mirror. You were made in the image of God, so honor Him by your gratitude. So number one was a healthy mind, two was a healthy body, and our third and last point is a healthy soul, how to be spiritually strong. 1 Timothy 4.8 says exercise or physical training is good, but training for godliness, spiritual training, is much better. And the message paraphrase says it this way, exercise daily in God, no spiritual flabbiness please, workouts at the gym are useful but a disciplined life in God is far more so. In order for us to be spiritually strong, we need to be biblically sound. I'm going to repeat that just because it's paramount, ladies. In order for us to be spiritually strong, we need to be biblically sound. We need to know God's word. That's what's going to strengthen us spiritually. I know that I've shared this with you before in the past, but I think it's worth repeating. You know, when I was young, I admired the older, stronger, wiser women that I saw in Bible study. When they spoke, it was with grace, kindness, and encouragement. I noticed the way they responded to difficult situations, and they just didn't merely react. And I admired the way they interacted with their children with patience and tenderness. And when they prayed, it was with so much confidence and power. And, you know, as a young woman, I wanted to know these older ladies' secret. What was their secret? Well— You know what it was? It wasn't a secret at all. They made a practice of meeting with the Lord every day to read his word. So I decided, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. And to be honest, it started off as drudgery. I mean, some of those books in the Old Testament, you know, they're no joke. But then it became my discipline. Ladies, embrace discipline. Discipline is your friend, discipline is what keeps you on the right road when everything in you wants to take a rabbit trail. And you know, discipline can seem painful, but it produces something wonderful if you don't give up. And I don't know when it happened, but what started out as drudgery and then turned into discipline eventually became my delight. I have a coffee date with Jesus every morning. He is my delight. And I believe with every fiber of my being that the more that we get to know him the more we will fall in love with him and the more we love him the more we will obey him and the more we obey him the more we will transformed into his likeness the goal is to be more like jesus spirituality is somewhat of a buzzword in our culture isn't it a lot of people describe themselves as spiritual they're searching for enlightenment and purpose and a lot of times it's based on like an individual feeling or experience We're actually told in 2 Timothy 3.5 that in the last days, people will have a form of godliness, religion, or spirituality, but deny God's power. In other words, their spirituality is not tethered to Jesus. But what does it mean to be spiritual in a biblical context? As a born-again Christian, we are spiritual because the Holy Spirit indwells, guides, empowers, and enables us to bear certain fruit like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are characteristics that are produced by the Holy Spirit working in and through a life of a believer. We don't generate it. He supplies it as we stay connected to Him. I'm sure you've noticed that there's a trend regarding women empowerment. I saw an Instagram post that read, Here's to strong women. May we know them. May we be them, and may we raise them. And at first I thought, wow, that's inspirational. But there was something that didn't settle right with me. Do you know that God has never required us to be strong in our own strength? Our strength doesn't impress or please God. The Bible actually says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, nor the strong man boast in his strength, Or the rich man boasts in his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this, that they know me. We are called to be strong, but to be strong in the Lord. That's the key. I'm not into girl power, but I'm totally into the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The life that God has called us to live is impossible to accomplish in our own strength. If we try in our flesh, we'll fail miserably. But in the Lord... His strength becomes our own. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things, ladies, that includes hard things, mundane things, and new things. You know, it's important to do full body training. That means you're exercising all the major muscle groups in your body, your back and biceps, chest and tries, your glutes, legs, and abs. So you're not just picking out one body part that you're going to exercise or build. Have you ever seen a man at the gym with a big upper body and then skinny legs? That's because most men love to bench press and they work out their chests, but they neglect or skimp on their legs. What happens is you get disproportional. There's an imbalance. It's not healthy, nor is it attractive. But the same thing can happen when it comes to the scriptures. We can't isolate certain parts of the Bible that suit us. We need to recognize that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, and equipping us. If we only want to read about God's love and kindness, but we neglect the portions that talk about His holiness and righteousness, we're going to be disproportionate, unbalanced, and weak Christians. When I go to the gym, I try to lift heavy weights. If it's not challenging you, it's probably not changing you. Lifting weights is so good for you. It produces muscle that will in turn raise your metabolism, help you to burn more calories, and create that toned look that's so attractive. It's also good for your bones. I figure that if I'm curling a 30-pound barbell, I should be able to carry a case of water from Costco, right? I don't want to just be strong at the gym. I want to be strong in real life. And the same is true about functional faith. You know, many of us are in Bible study, we read scripture, we go to church on Sunday and hear dynamic sermons, but are we putting that knowledge and information into practice? Are we using it in real life? We wanna have functional faith. Faith is a muscle that you have to use in order for it to get stronger. You know, bodybuilders like to flex their muscles. It's a way to display or show off all their hard work. But you know, as a body of believers, We need to flex our faith muscles. Flexing your faith means putting God's word into action. It's not enough to know or read a verse. You need to apply it. This is kind of what it looks like in real life, ladies. When anxiety strikes, apply Philippians 4.6 that says, Be anxious for nothing but pray. When you're afraid, apply Isaiah 41.10 that tells us, Fear not, for I am with you. When you're depressed, apply the Psalms and encourage yourself in the Lord. Cry out to God. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. When you're confused or you need to make a decision, apply James 1.5 that says, If you need wisdom, ask God. Perhaps even today, something unexpected or um, disappointing happened. Flex your faith and apply Romans eight twenty eight, believing that all things will work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. I'm not saying the thing that happened to you is good. It's not good. But God can bring good from it if you would stand in faith. You know, to be spiritually strong means to make God's word operational in your life. And as we come to a close, um, I want to offer you six healthy habits to make you strong in mind, body, and soul. So the first one is eat well. Eat well physically. You know, we touched about nutrition, but I want to encourage you to eat well spiritually. Read your Bible. As a Christian, the Bible is food for your soul. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And I love that he calls himself the bread of life because I love carbs. So what we eat matters. If you're feeding... Of the world's ideology, it will leave you empty, unsatisfied, and malnourished. If you're snacking, you're not going to be hungry for a real meal. So I want to challenge you. If you're only reading devotionals or a verse here or there on social media, those are just supplements. Those are just add-ons. Ask God to create an appetite in you to read His Word. Two, get sunlight. 10 to 15 minutes of sunlight helps your mental and physical state. You'll get vitamin D, which strengthens bones and your immune function. It's a mood booster and it helps with depression. And it increases melatonin levels, which will help you sleep. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You and I are called to be light bearers. We have the light of Jesus in us, so let's intentionally shine for him. Thirdly, drink water. Your body depends on water to function properly. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The living water that Jesus is talking about is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us life of refreshment, satisfaction, and joy. So ask for that refilling of the Holy Spirit. Fourth, exercise regularly. Exercise your physical body, so start moving because it's not enough just to know the right things to do or know the right things to eat. You have to put that into practice. But I also want to encourage you to flex your faith. You will be blessed when you put God's Word into action. Fifth, rest and sleep. Experts say to aim for seven to nine hours of sleep. Rest and sleep are necessary for our bodies to function correctly. There's a story found in 1 Kings 19. I won't be able to get into it, but look it up. It's about the prophet Elijah who got depressed basically because he needed to rest. Sometimes we neglect the importance of rest and sleep, and we can get depleted when we need to rest. And sixth is connect with others. I'm disciplined to exercise on my own and to read my Bible by myself. However, There is a benefit to meeting together and having community. You'll get support, gain inspiration, accountability, and it's also meaningful and fun. So consider this an open invitation to join a Virtue Small Group. There's enrollment any time of the year. You know, ladies, the things that I've shared with you are very personal. Believe it or not, I have a very melancholy personality, and the Lord has had to give me these strategies over the years— in order to have balance in my life. And when I tell people, you know, my daily routine, that I read my Bible and I exercise, they're often quick to commend me. But honestly, it's something that I have to do. I've tasted and seen of the goodness of God in my life. The strength that I get from being in God's word and the endorphin release I get from exercising has convinced me that this is the abundant life that God wants for me. I want to end by praying over you. If you want God to strengthen you, either in your mind, mentally, your body, physically, or your soul, spiritually, will you agree with me as I pray? Lord, we do want to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, everything that is in us, God. Thank you for designing us so wonderfully. Would you supply us with the desire strength, wisdom, motivation, discipline, and give us the strategies that will help make us healthy and strong. Lord, we trust you, we love you, and we want to live our lives to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.